kind of what we're getting back to. Make what people like, make what's made from things that are local instead of just what is cheap. Try something different, try something new. Hey y'all, welcome to the Nuga Bell podcast, all about stories of the South, straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, and I'm based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things Chattanooga, life in the South, and beyond. Now pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of sweet tea and join us. We're so glad you're here. to the Nuga Bell podcast. I am super excited to be here with the wonderful gentleman from Wanderlinger Brewing Company, Chris Dial and Mike Dial, co-owners and brothers, and assistant brewer, Jared... Sidlowski. Is it Okay. <laughs> Thanks for picking me up there. No problem. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so this is a new brewery coming to Chattanooga later this year, and I'm super excited to learn more and taste some of y'all's beers. Glad to have you here. Uh, so how did all y'all end up in Chattanooga? Um, so yeah, I'm Mike. I moved here uh, after college. My wife and I went to MTSU and then moved down to Chattanooga just because we love the city. We're, we're backpackers. We wanted to be a little closer to the mountains. Murfreesboro was kind of a long drive to get out to the Smokies or the Southern Appalachians or, you know, the various other places we like to go hiking. So we quit our jobs, went out west for a while, tried to figure out where we wanted to live, and ended up circling our way back around and ended up in Chattanooga. Awesome. So how did you rope your brother into starting a brewery with you? Um, he didn't seem like he had anything better to do, so I thought <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, start, you know, I started accurate. working on the business plan a while ago, um, about four years ago, and um, got to the point where you know I had written a business plan, but I needed some help actually starting a business. I have more of a scientific background. I have a degree in environmental science, which doesn't exactly translate to brewing, but it's still science and brewing is science. And Chris has a sales background and more of a business background. And I thought I needed some help getting the beer to the market, getting off the ground. Seems like a good match. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> what about you, Jared? How did you get into brewing? Uh, so I was, I've been in the brewing industry for about five years now. Um, I was brewing out in Denver, Colorado and worked out with a couple breweries there and was just kind of looking for a change of pace, change of scenery. I'm originally from the East Coast, grew up in Vermont, um, but a little too cold for me. So I fell in love with the Smokies a couple years ago and I've been eyeing Eastern Tennessee for a while and just things sort of fell into place when I stumbled upon uh, Wanderlinger and mm -hmm. Mike and Chris here and it's... Yeah, it's been a uh, good point. Yeah. Um, so Wonderlinger is definitely more of an interesting name. How did all y'all come up with that? Or was that? So yeah, that was my, my wife really came up with it. Um, <laughs> we're backpackers and that's kind of, kind of our philosophy to backpacking. You know, you're, you're, you're walking up on a ridge, you sit there on the ridge for a while and look at the overlook and do you want to, you know, wander on or linger here for a while? And that's kind of philosophy we've applied to various things in our lives. I like it. <laughs> it fits. And I get the vibe here already. Yeah, excellent. Awesome. You didn't talk about how you got into brewing. Okay. Because you said you lived in Denver for a little mm -hmm. bit. Did you go to Denver with the intention of getting into brewing, or was that just kind of a thing that happened because there's a bunch of beer in Denver? It, yeah, I mean, it's, I so I've been home. I was home brewing in college, and it was something that I sort of picked up as a hobby. And I moved out to Colorado to pursue. I was in the nonprofit world at the time, and I just found myself, you know, staying up till two, three in the morning, brewing, not drinking, but brewing. And I just sort of got to a point where like, well, I'm spending all of this time and dedication on this you know, new craft, like maybe I should make this a career. So I got my foot in the door uh, at a brewery called a Epic Brewing Company and I started off in packaging, kind of just worked my way up. And yeah, a few years later, now I'm finally up to the, uh, the brewer level. So, awesome. Yeah. Great to hear. We're happy to have all of y'all here. We are happy to have him also. Yes. <laughs> they say your first hire should be your most important best hire, and we only have one to go off of so far, but so far you're, you're, you're meat fitting the bill. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's play with my jar here. Um, if you're 
If you've been listening to the show, you know what the jar is. But if you're a new listener, and I hope some of y'all are, uh, the jar is a mason jar filled with colorful pieces of paper with all sorts of little fun questions for us to talk about. So we'll each draw a few, go around and talk about them. So I'll start us off. What do you miss most about your hometown? So I moved around a lot growing up. I don't really have what I would call a hometown. So this one, I'm tricking myself with this question. I would say probably family and friends from like all the places I've lived. I would say like everywhere I've lived, there's at least a handful of people that I definitely miss more. So I would say that's, that's where I lean. This is Chris. I, uh, Mike and I grew up in Indianapolis, uh, officially. Uh, he moved down here in high school. I moved away from Indianapolis back in 2008. So I spent about 25 years in Indianapolis. So I would say India is my home. And what I miss most is being able to head up to Purdue and do home football games, being a alumni of there. You know, it's, it's nice to be in SEC country, but Big Ten boy wants to go back to the Big Ten every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I would consider I was born in Springfield, Illinois. I was raised in Indianapolis. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and I became an adult in <laughs> Chattanooga. So <laughs> I've, I've been around a, a bit, but most of my, you know, 21 of my 36 years I've spent here in Chattanooga. Okay. Uh, or in Tennessee, and then the last 10 years in Chattanooga. Um, so, I mean, where where is my hometown? You know, my parents and my wife's parents are in Nashville, so I guess I would consider that kind of be my hometown. But this Chattanooga is home to me. Mm -hmm. This is where I chose to live. This is where my boys were born. You know, this is where I've made my home and I've started a business and I don't intend to leave. Same. <laughs> gotta, gotta force you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can't leave. Yeah. No, you're here, guaranteed. <laughs> What about you? Uh, so I grew up in a really small town uh, in the middle of nowhere, Vermont. And I mean, Vermont in, in and of itself is a very special place. Um, I miss, but I'd probably say the most I miss about there is with the, the agricultural scene that's very unique to Vermont. So, mm -hmm. you know, the maple syrup, all of the specialty cheeses. Um, but one of the reasons why I really do enjoy Chattanooga and Eastern Tennessee in general is I've just found that the, the food and, of course, the beer scene, but just the, the great agricultural scene here mm -hmm. is uh, awesome. And that was kind of my introduction to Eastern Tennessee was I was actually working um, on a couple of farms out here and was really just blown away by just the culture. and the... There's a lot of that around here, too. Yeah. 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 All right. You draw one next. Okay, it says an absolute essential item at my tailgate is obviously beer. Absolutely. It's no brainer. Beer, and I suppose if we're tailgating football, a football to throw around while mm -hmm. you're drinking beer. I'm, so, I'm going to say a good camping chair. I mean, Mike's already got the beer, yeah. but I, I need a good camping chair. Who's bringing the cooler? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the uh, outside of that. You gotta have some cornhole and you gotta have some boilermaker chili. There you go. Chili. Make, yeah, chili. What's On a so nice what, fall day. So what's special about boilermaker chili? No. Yeah, it's oh, <laughs> of course. It's the it's the variety of things that you can put into your chili. Okay. So you've got some cheese. Maybe you got some Fritos. Maybe you got some onions. Maybe you got some macaroni that goes in there oh, or spaghetti. Okay. Kind of mix it all together. So you got a concoction. It's not just chili chili with add-ons so do you put the fritos in the like potted chili as you're making it or is it like a layering an, in the bowl it's an add-on at the end so you get some nice crunch on top before ah. they get all nice and soggy okay because i've seen it done where you put the fritos in the bottom of the bowl and then you put chili on top of it and, and then you put more on top and you can do it that way it's just <laughs> if, if you want them to be not too soggy yet you gotta make you know put them in the top so you get to them before they absorb all the moisture in them. there's an art to this apparently. there is an art <laughs> the more beer you drink the less the art becomes <laughs> <laughs> yep that too the um, more creative you get you just throw it all in <laughs> i need to eat <laughs> truth um i would say from my tailgate chips and salsa and brownies gotta have something sweet i'm a baker gotta have it Gotta have, good, gotta have good, good sweets on tailgate. 
Oh, yeah. I support that 100%. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Jared, your turn. All right. The most beautiful thing about Chattanooga is... It's a hard, hard one to pick. I mean, I, I think, at least for me, I think being surrounded by just mountains and hills and, and obviously all that comes with that, with the trees and rivers, it's just, you can be, you can step outside of downtown Chattanooga, you know, jump on your bike or get in the car and you can be at a trailhead in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think that to me is what's amazing about this town is that you have everything that a town can offer, you know, and more, but you have that amazing natural scenery that you just, you know, don't necessarily get. And it's so accessible. It's so accessible, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I live in Murfreesboro. And I travel in every day or several days a week. And as I come towards Chattanooga and I come down the mountain and up the hill and I come right across to Lake Nickajack. Mm. I love coming in, especially early in the morning. The sun hits the, the water and gives me a nice shine. As long as the sun's up and it's not cloudy, that's my feel-good moment for the day. That's such a good good thing to see like coming right in especially if there's like fog coming off the water too oh, absolutely it's beautiful mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean obviously being close to the mountains and i mean just the the setting of downtown um for a city the the bones of chattanooga and the setting that it's in are perfect you know i mean you've got lookout mountain you've got sigma mountain you've got elder mountain you've got the missionary ridge and the tennessee river that just splits through all of it and then you go downstream to the Know, the Tennessee River Gorge, you know, is the, you know, the Grand Canyon of the Eastern United States. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's beautiful, and there's there's so much so close to downtown. You've got Prentice Cooper and all the hiking up there. You've got Lookout Mountain and all the trails around the side of Lookout Mountain and up onto the top and down to Covenant College. You've got uh, Stringer's Ridge hiking and biking right in the middle of town. Mm -hmm. The Riverwalk, um, the the Civil War battlefields and various smaller monuments throughout the city and then just being 45 minutes to an hour and you're over in the southern Appalachians mm -hmm. it's great um in the same vein I have a childhood friend from England we went to school together when I lived in Georgia and then our families moved away and two summers ago he came back to the states for the first time in 10 years and I got to take him around Chattanooga and Tennessee and just like show him around and uh, I used to live on the other side of town so I would come down the ridge cut and you could just see lookout signal like right coming down the ridge cut and the first time I drove us into downtown he just took his phone out was taking pictures and I was just like they're, they're mountains like why why are you taking pictures he's like I don't have these in England I forgot yeah, what mountains look like <laughs> You take it for granted when you don't see that every day. This is such a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. it was, and it was one of those moments where I was like, Kate, you see this every day. And then when I went back to England a few months ago, I was doing the same thing, like driving through England. So, Look at all these we don't, we don't see yeah. old shit every day. <laughs> uh, let's do, do you want to do one more round? Sure. sure. All right. And these are not color coded. There's no rhyme or reason? Nope. Okay. My favorite fall flavor is, so you were talking about maple syrup earlier. Mm -hmm. I've been big on maple this year. Um, I'm usually not, but for some reason this year, I just really got into maple. And I'm gonna be basic, I love pumpkin spice. I don't like PSLs, but anything else with pumpkin in it, I love it. PSLs are overrated. You heard it first here. <laughs> what are PSLs? Pumpkin spice lattes. Lattes, okay. This would be a coffee drink. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I was spice. like, can we throw pumpkin, pumpkin spice? spice lager? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, you're not. I might actually okay. drink that. Um, I love pumpkin, pumpkin pie. I, hate, I, I don't really like pumpkin beer. I rarely like pumpkin beer. Um, I only use pumpkin beer to put it in brownies. I can see that's that probably the best well. use like of pumpkin beer. I think that's a great use of pumpkin beer. Yeah. I mean, the thing I love about fall is campfires and leaves changing and making various things with pumpkins, you know, whether it's pumpkin pie or pumpkin stew, or uh, my wife makes this thing, she makes a stew inside a pumpkin and you put the whole thing in the oven. She bakes the pumpkin with stew in it. And it's, it's amazing. 
I bet and your house smells incredible after house that. House smells great, too. <laughs> and pumpkin seeds, baked pumpkin seeds, and uh, and then of course Thanksgiving is fall. The end of the end of fall, early winter, mm-hmm. um, and everything that goes with that. I think for me, when I think of fall, the one flavor I think of is apples. I mean, just mm. and, you know, Tennessee's got some great apple picking. Um, I grew up in apple country. Um, I always make an effort to try and find some unpasteurized cider somewhere, mm-hmm. usually at a little farm stand, bring some home and maybe some ends up fermenting. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. And yeah, I just, I love incorporating apples into my cooking and I think, you know, it's like the quintessential North American, you know, fruit. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Apple pie. I like apple pie, peach pie, cherry pie. Peach pie <laughs> is a summer thing. Doesn't matter. It's pie. <laughs> I like pie. And it's porter season because it just doesn't seem like you can go find a good porter anywhere else until fall comes around. So fall comes around, my porters are back on tap. I can drink my porter. Yeah. That shall not be a problem going forward, but that has been a problem in the past. Y'all have sure. a porter that y'all are working on. We do. Yes. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Excellent. All right. Draw us one. Draw us one another one. It's eluding you. My favorite Halloween costume I've ever done is. Uh, Ooh man. Oh, man, that's a hard one. No one's drawn uh, this one yet. Uh oh. I haven't even dressed up in ha- for Halloween in years. My boys are going as the PJ mask, gecko and cat boy this year. Um, they're enjoying that. I think my favorite costume I ever did was when I was like 11 or something, and I put on a Jason mask and I had a Freddy hand and uh you know flannel shirt and ripped up jeans and fake blood and just covered myself in blood and uh, it was just a mix of various halloween horror people interesting an amalgamation of horror yes (laughs) (laughs) i think my favorite was when my parents told me I was too old to go trick-or-treating anymore. So, so I, last year? Yeah, last year I, was, I finally got pulled off. You know, so I was sitting, I, I dressed up, and I was basically your scarecrow with a, a old man mask, and I had a bunch of straw and paper stuffed inside me, and I sat next to the front door where the candy bowl was. And so uh, kids, I remember that. you probably remember that, kids would walk up, <laughs> to the front door and I would just sit very still and not move until they got close. And then I would jump or make a move, scare them. I remember this one you know, teenage kid that thought he was all tough and, and hot and he comes up and I let him kick me about three times and then I jumped up and he took off running all the way down the street before he turned around. So, yeah, that's my favorite. So what was it, two years ago, we were trick-or-treating in your neighborhood, right? Yep. And we dressed by well, he's four now. My my son Will, we dressed him up as uh, Chucky. Oh no! He's got red hair. It was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. So he was Chucky. But we went walk around his neighborhood, and all the kids went trick or treating. But we towed a wagon with a keg in it and beer, <laughs> and all the parents flocked to that wagon. <laughs> yes. oh, we were those. That was back when it was home, back when it was homebrew, and I was like, I'll bring a keg of beer for Halloween. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nice. You know, I'm 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 gonna have to admit that I'm one of those lame people that always somehow manages to never come up with a costume until like the night of Halloween. And you can't find it, and you're like, "Damn it, where am I gonna get?" (laughs) And so usually, you know, by the you know October 30th, usually consists of me going to like Goodwill or a thrift store and like just picking over the what's the the dregs of the dregs of whatever's there. So usually it's like some really terrible, like David Byrne impersonation. Because all I can find is an oversized suit, and that's about it. Nice. Um, nice. nice reference. I like that. <laughs> well done. So I was late to the Harry Potter train. I didn't read Harry Potter until the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Because I got mono. And I was sick in bed. So I was like, well, might as well read Harry Potter. And my friends at school had told me you are Hermione Granger. Like my personality, they were like, in our group, you are Hermione. So we started joking at the end of the year, oh, we should do like a Harry Potter group costume for Halloween. 
So I got sick with mono, and I was like, well, might as well see if my friends are right. And about four pages in, I was like, yeah, they're right. Um, so I was assigned. I was not giving any option. I was assigned to be Hermione Granger for Halloween, and I killed it. I didn't crimp my hair, but I had the white collared shirt, the gray sweater. My dad happened to have a perfect Gryffindor tie. I had the black skirt, the loafers, the socks. So wait, was your dad a Harry Potter fan like no. beforehand? No, <laughs> I'm the just, only one in my family. It was just, it was just apropos that he had this. Tie. It was just like okay. pure luck that he had like the perfect Gryffindor tie. Okay. But like, I remember walking into my friend's apartment and they're like, Hermione has arrived. <laughs> I still can't get over the fact that it took you that long to read Harry Potter. I know. I'm ashamed. But hey, better late than never. Yeah. All right. I still haven't read I Harry saw Potter. It. <laughs> we're, a I little, was, we're a little older. I was good. Different, I did different not, generation, maybe. <laughs> I did not watch the movies until I read the books. That's good. I, so, well, I feel like with me... I've so read I, all the Lord of the Rings. Props. And the Hobbits. But I've not read... Um, I've watched all the movies. If that counts, <laughs> that counts for something, I guess. I've watched the first Lord of the Rings movie. I can't just stop there. And I yeah, don't, I don't remember like, anything about it. It was like yeah. 10 years ago. That's nine but hours of your life seen, right there. You just need to watch one the and the next one. Yes. Oh. All right. Granted, I sit at home and watch The Sound of Music every Sunday night. So maybe I should So that was our mom's like favorite movie. So I grew up watching The Sound of Music. Oh, man. That's mine. I still randomly sing that the hills are alive. Oh, my friend and I started singing <laughs> Do Re Mi at work today. Just like... One of us said, like, a very good place to start, and then, like, the other just immediately ended up singing the rest of the song, and we are like, yep, this is why we get along. <laughs> so you have that stuck in your head, and I get the Annie movie that Andrew used to oh, watch nine times in too. a row. Can't Earlier today, I, had, I was singing the Willow theme song in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in years. <laughs> this is what drinking beer at 11 o'clock in the morning does to you. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> All right. Quality control. It's quality control. Let's see what we got. Yeah, you have one. Go. <laughs> All right. Red velvet carrot or hummingbird cake. I don't even know what a hummingbird. What is a hummingbird cake? It's a hummingbird cake. So I've never actually had it, but it's, and I kind of find it hard to describe, which makes me feel like a failure as a southerner. But it's like banana, pineapple some type of nut it's it's very unique it's a very unique southern thing okay. sounds like sounds good i have a 12 year old daughter and if i admitted to liking anything but red velvet cake <laughs> i think i would be disowned as her father so <laughs> i'm going to say in honor of alexis that red velvet cake with a cream cheese icing mm -hmm. is the only way to go absolutely i like carrot cake better i love carrot cake I'm just going to go off script. I'm just going to say chocolate pecan pie. Because <laughs> yeah. that's probably what I'd go for. I'm not a big cake fan. Yeah. Hmm. Go the pies. I go for pie normally. <laughs> but that wasn't an option. You got to go with I just made it one. I just, I just broke the rules. <laughs> it's a, all right, red velvet pie. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, Jared, finish us off. All right. This is a red velvet cake, just chocolate cake with food coloring. Kinda, of, sorta. Of. <laughs> Alexis makes them. Let's call her. At twelve, she makes red velvet cakes. Yes. Good for she her. She helps. Good for her. She she Is likes it from the box. No. Oh, okay. No. I'm impressed. Now. I'll just I'll just. <laughs> I had to clarify. When we have the grand opening, she wants to have a little display set up where she is selling things, cakes and. Has she, has she, she been inspected with. by the health department? <laughs> okay, that's going to have to fly under the radar. I'm not going to pay. Not announce it on podcast. I'm not going to pay ninety five dollars <laughs> for her to have her little booth. <laughs> All right. So the the next little prompt here is my favorite brunch in Chattanooga is dot dot dot. Um, so I'm still pretty fresh to Chattanooga. I have not been out for brunch yet. Oh, man. I'm so I'm going to five. say that the best brunch in Chattanooga is at my house because I make a mean brunch. Okay. So I do. I have about three brunches in rotation that I do, but my favorite is probably my brunch sandwich, which is pretty standard. It's, you know, fresh bagel, cream cheese, and then it's a little weird with salsas mixed into the cream cheese. Okay. And then thick cut, preferably maple smoked bacon. And then a, a 
sunny side up egg, I believe you, you can get it without getting salmonella. Nice. Yeah. Right. Coming nice. to your house yeah. next time. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta walk. You basically gotta take a shower after you eat it there because it's just the messiest yeah, thing. Oh, I'm sure. So good though. So being from above the Mason-Dixon line, are you familiar with Taylor Ham? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. I lived outside of Philadelphia for a little while and that was a thing that we had up there. And then my college boyfriend was from New Jersey and like shortly after we started dating, he made me a breakfast sandwich that was Taylor ham, a fried egg, and cheese, I guess. And I didn't have the heart to tell him that I don't like fried eggs. <laughs> what? But he was so excited to make me this sandwich. <laughs> and he, I just didn't, I didn't want to be a killjoy. So I was like, okay. And I took like two bites of it. And I was just like, it's, it's fried egg. And he just like ate the rest of it for me. But that's, that's my memory is... No, I'm not. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe that's like a... Well, so being from Vermont, we refer to anything south of Vermont as the south. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't know, the, the Canadian bacon was a thing. We ate a lot of Canadian bacon because we're practically southern Canada. <laughs> um, well, what's, and then what's, maple syrup on everything. You know? What's further north than Vermont? Maine and... No, well, Maine, so, so <laughs> Maine is east and north. Okay. But but it, the Vermont border is Canada, so you go right into Canada. So is Vermont on this side and New Hampshire's on this side? <laughs> Vermont's on the west side, New Hampshire's on the east, and then Maine's on the east side of New Hampshire, and then scoops up to the. Okay, my my New England geography is lacking clearly. That's okay. It's a lot of little states crammed together. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much how I see New England. <laughs> All right. So I used to eat a lot of brunch. Okay. And then I had kids. Uh, we don't really eat much brunch anymore. We just make breakfast at home mm -hmm. for the boys. We'll make pancakes and bacon or bacon and eggs or French toast or whatever. Something sweet because little boys got to eat something sweet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then some meat and some eggs because we got to have something too. And Bloody Marys. But yes. when we used to go out to brunch. Wait, your boys drink Bloody Marys already? <laughs> yeah. Start them Got to start them early. <laughs> Bloody Marys or gin and juice. <laughs> You know, the two-year-old likes the gin and juice. Yeah. <laughs> when we used to go out to brunch, we would go to Honest Pint, which had a surprisingly good brunch, and the Brew House, which has Brew a pretty good... Brew House has good brunch. Brew House has a great brunch. Honest Pint has a pretty good damn brunch, too, and really good Bloody Marys at the Honest Pint. So those were a couple of places we frequented back in the brunch days. Food... Uh, what is it? Food Works. Yeah, they're good, too. Food Works, because they got, like, the bottomless... That sounds dangerous. That sounds like a brunch that just turns into an afternoon nap. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. That's what brunch <laughs> always should turn into, right? <laughs> Until you have kids and then they don't let you nap. I'll help them. I can't nap. It's not allowed. <laughs> Daddy, wake up. Wake up! <laughs> My eyes are open. No, they're not. <laughs> You're snoring. You're snoring. I'm not snoring. <laughs> Um, I would say my favorite brunches in town are Feed Co., Stir, and Food Works. So yeah, Feed and Stir both opened after I had kids. So, so what's, what's the best? Because I've got family Stir. coming into town, and... Don't forget Aretha Frankenstein's. I, so I'm a failure of a Chattanooga, and I've lived here for three years, and I haven't been to Aretha's what? yet. What? You've never been to Aretha's? Aretha Frankenstein's is an institution in this town. <laughs> All right, it's, well, that sounds like what I'm doing next Sunday. Right, yeah. Give yourself enough time they're to They're open 7 to 11, seven days a week. Wow, they're open on Mondays? They're open on Mondays. They're the no only restaurant open on Mondays, that's open on Mondays in Chattanooga. Yeah. So if you don't see me here tomorrow morning until 10, you know where I am. Go to Aretha's. <laughs> yeah. they, have, they don't have liquor, but they have lots of, so, I mean, you can't get a Bloody Mary, but they have lots of various beer, unless they've changed, I haven't been there. So, but I doubt they have liquor. Do you want the IPA? But they have pancakes. Ooh. Their pancakes are like an inch and a half thick and awesome. And their oh, omelets no. are amazing. Cathead biscuits. Cathead you biscuits. gotta go to Aretha Frankenstein. I love so. good cathead biscuit. Alright, we're getting the beers poured. We started with the lager. Hellas lager. Hellas lager. Now I've got the German alt beer that y'all yes. had at Oktoberfest. Yes, correct. All right. 
So the alt beer is a you know German amber ale. This is kind of a it, it's a pretty dark amber ale. It's mm-hmm. it's I mean it's not as dark as a porter would be, but it it's almost a, looks like a brown it's ale. A, a, yeah, it's it's along the lines of a brown, but it's you know more of a German flair. So you've mm-hmm. uh, you've got a very different yeast character than you would get from an English brown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lighter too. Well, yeah, and and, and so. Uh, Alt beer is generally fermented at a slightly colder temperature than your typical ale would be, mm-hmm. um, which just so you end up with a little less ester profile and you know a little easier drinking, more like a lager. So you mm-hmm. get, uh, and you typically they're given a lagering period, which is just a cold fermentation essentially. Mm-hmm. So you brew them at, at, you know, kind of a low ale temperature of 66, 64 degrees, and then you drop it down and let it sit there at a cold temperature for a while. Mm-hmm. If you hold it up to the light, it kind of looks like sweet tea. <laughs> yeah, kind of dark sweet tea. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it was a real hit at Oktoberfest. We were, we were all, not taken by surprise because we were really proud of it, but when people just kept coming back for more and then we noticed that the kegs of the alt beer were starting to like go a little faster which is great to see because i feel like you know dark darker beers aren't necessarily as as in vogue as mm-hmm. say other styles and so to see that flying uh flying into the pint mm-hmm. glasses and uh, yeah, we didn't expect that because we brought fewer kegs of the alt beer than we did of the ipa or the right. lager the hellas lager mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up after Saturday, we came back Sunday morning and we're like, we're going to grab a few more kegs of the salt beer and take it over there just, mm-hmm. you know, cause we don't want to run out of that since people seem that that ended up, I think being the best seller of the mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, it was. I think I had had y'all's lager last year at Oktoberfest. Okay. Yeah. We were there last year as yeah. well. <laughs> I remember that. We kept telling people we were about to open. Yeah. Yeah, we're still telling them but this time it's for real this time this, this time. time we mean it this time it by mid-november we are open awesome um so what are some of the like more popular oktoberfest or like german style beers there's the alt beer the lagers uh, i mean there's a lot of great german styles of beer um so if you, if you mean like what is popular to drink in fall yeah. for oktoberfest season um, your what is typically called a Oktoberfest is a, a Marzen, mm-hmm. Marzen, which is March. It's a, a an older style of beer that is more of your amber color. It's brewed in March and let to lager over the summer, and then you drink it at Oktoberfest. Hmm. Um, a lot of Germans don't really drink that anymore. That's <laughs> more of a style that's resurged in America. Um, so you have a fest beer which is a uh, kind of golden German lager. It's very similar to Munich Helles, which the Helles is the other lager that mm-hmm. we had. Uh, so Fest beer and a Helles are in really similar. Fest beer is generally just slightly darker and slightly hoppier. Okay. But it's, I mean, it's subtle. If you put them side by side, you might notice the difference, but they're a pretty similar beer. Mm-hmm. Um, as you get into winter, I mean, you have Schwartz beers, and then of course the alt beer that we have here is mm-hmm. a traditional German style. And the weather cooled down just in time. Just in this. time, because last year at Oktoberfest, I was wearing the Lederhosen and I was sweating my ass off. <laughs> this year it was cooler, so I wasn't sweating quite as much, but still wearing a wool hat, mm-hmm. even when it's 70 degrees, is That's not comfortable. No. <laughs> Today feels like dark beer weather. Today feels oh, like yeah. dark beer. I could, mm-hmm. I could yeah. 62 degrees out yeah mm-hmm. today's a rain. rain cloudy it's like a you know almost a beer by the fireplace sort of mm-hmm. sort of night that would be good i'm ready to start lighting some fires in the backyard i got a fire pit back there i'm gonna burn some stuff it's finally getting cool enough we can have a fire and not have to stand 10 feet away from it <laughs> well we just brewed our good fireplace beer the um, the imperial stout oh, oh yeah. man that's a Russian Russian imperial style. Oh, it is intense. So it's, yeah. It's intense. It's going to be about 10%. Pray for Kate. Malty, <laughs> roasty. You'll only need one. Aggressive. <laughs> and yet. Good. Yet. But it's efficient. When, when I was drinking it, 
you can't tell that you're drinking something that's very strong. That's very dangerous. <laughs> very <laughs> dangerous. Very dangerous beer. Because I had one. I decided to have a second. And he said, okay, you're sleeping on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> and did you? I did. I did. It's a long Uber ride back to Murfreesboro. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure it is. That gets pricey. Mm-hmm. So can we talk a little bit about the types of beers that y'all will have on tap when y'all open? Absolutely. Yep. Um, so uh, right now, what we've brewed so far, we have our Municalis Lager. We have our West Coast style IPA. Mm. We have our kind of English style IPA. It's an American pale ale, but with kind of English hops, so a little more... You were telling me about woodsy, that one earlier. Yeah, a little more woodsy herbal character than you typically get in an American pale ale. We've got our Session IPA. Uh, lower gravity, but still, you know, good and fruity and juicy hoppiness. We've got our porter. We've got our alt beer. We've got our Russian Imperial Stout. Um, we have an ESB we brewed, small batch. We're, uh, what else do we have, Jerry? Um, well, that's what we've brewed so far, but we're teeing up a few other beers, hopefully. Um, we're looking at doing a Saison recipe. Okay. you talk about a Schwartz beer yet? I think... I think we're we're going to try and get a Schwartz beer ready. Short timeline on that, but we're going to try and have a Schwartz beer ready, which is a, a German, dark German lager. Okay. Dark, almost almost black. It's kind of a black lager. Oh, man. A black German lager. Um, I've only ever had a black lager once or twice in my life. Yeah, and they're surprisingly easy drinking. Yeah, they're yeah. supposed to be a little lighter in body. Um, very just slight roastiness, but they're—I mean—they're—they're they're supposed to be very drinkable. Lower alcohol. They're one of my favorite beers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really into the Schwartz beers and the and the uh, dark English milds have kind of been my go-to as of late. I'm big on IPAs. I really got into oh, yeah. IPAs in the last like six to eight months, and yeah, I'm our, super <clears> excited <throat> about that West Coast IPA. You're in the our right plan city. is to have like. Three different IPAs or pale ales on tap all the time. Awesome. You know, so we'll have, uh, you know, our West Coast is, you know, your traditional, the, you know, old school American, you know, what is now considered old school because everybody <laughs> brews New England IPAs. So your old school American West Coast IPA with your robust and floral flavor of hops. Uh, and then we have our Session Ale that gets more into the juicy, fruity hops and our pale ale that's more of the woodsy, earthy, herbal hops. Um, and we'll do a lot more beyond that. That's just what we've got awesome. so far. I'm so excited. <laughs> the beauty of having um, you know, our small batch system as well is we'll be able to do a lot of experimentation. Oh, yes. Float new beer ideas in the tap room and get feedback and, and you know, really push, hopefully, the envelope with Several styles, I mean, and including IPA, because IPA is one of those is one of those fun styles where there's mm-hmm. so many different combinations of ingredients you can use. How do y'all feel about milkshake IPAs? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're probably not going to have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we may start experimenting with that at some point, but that is, I guess, a little outside of what we're looking at doing. Okay. Right now. Cool. I think Evan and Ale does a great job with, you know, exploring that frontier. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're definitely going to have a, a real great breadth of beers mm-hmm. when we open um, that sort of showcase, yeah. um, you know, American tradition, German tradition. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to be experimenting as well. Um, but I wouldn't say a milkshake is off the table, would you? No, it's not. I'm not saying it's off the table. <laughs> it's just uh, we, uh, I have no, I've never brewed anything mm-hmm. with some milkshake IPA or... or uh, so I have not delved into that yeah. yet. So we, I love the variety y'all have, though. Like, just the ones that, like, we've been sipping on and what y'all got already, there's a breadth of different styles. So I think, like, anyone who comes in here can find something they like. Well, that's the goal, is to have something on tap for everybody. Um, so if, you know, and, and considering our location, too, we're right by the choo-choo. We're right in the middle of, you know, downtown. we got a hotel across the street. We got offices up above. You know, if if you come in and you typically drink Bud Light, I got a beer I can serve you mm-hmm. that you will probably like. It's probably not going to be very light in calories, but, <laughs> but it's going to be a good, easy drinking beer that's not going to you're not going to perceive to be bitter. If you're new to craft beer but you're trying to get 
a little more adventuresome. I'm gonna have something for you. If you're a, a hophead, I'm gonna have something for you too. And if you're somebody who only drinks dark beers and only drinks the darkest beers, I'm gonna have something for you too. And we'll get yeah, yeah, and we'll get into we. The sour program is going to be a little further behind okay. from the rest of our ales, just because they they take more time. Mm-hmm. But we will down the road. We'll have sours. We have we already have plans. We're making plans for a goza okay. that will debut next spring or summer. Uh, we want. I, I have int- We we will have a barrel aging program. Yes. We will. I mean, we're going to get in to all of it. We're going to try and have something for everybody on tap all of the time. Awesome. So this isn't going to be a place that is exclusive for, you know, your hop heads or your easy drinkers. Or, I mean, we're going to have something for everybody. Awesome. Uh, Gozes were a style. Gozes and Saisons are ones that I haven't really gotten into yet. In fact, I had a Saison for the first time in my life at Southern Brewers Best in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> well, Cezanne, um, yeah it's a funny style because it's um, it's one of those it's one of those beers that it's so different from brewery to brewery because mm-hmm. it's so yeast dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also one of the most widest ranging in styles in terms of what's acceptable as a style of saison. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have a saison that's as little as four and a half percent, you know, like a grisette or like a petite saison, as sometimes it's called. And then there's all like the imperial esque saisons that are almost pushing eight percent. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all over the map. So I think the keep ones... exploring. I heard <laughs> keep exploring. Belgian beer is worth it. It's just got you got to find the, the I ones you like. I think the one I had was like a blueberry or blackberry saison. Oh, interesting. Yeah, fruited saisons are definitely uh, are definitely fun. They're hard to execute, but they're fun. Sourcing your fruit is really the I believe that. Deal. Um, we're really uniquely positioned though in Tennessee to do fruit beers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's something, you know, you might hopefully dabble in at some point too. But I mean, you know, we've got great peaches and access to great berries as mm-hmm. well. So there's there's a plethora of. Uh, I will houses. say one of my favorite flavors in beers. I love y'all. We're talking about IPAs. Mm-hmm. I love a good tropical IPA that brings out like the mango, the guava, the passion fruit. Mm-hmm. I love tropical IPAs. Well, and, and you can, and it's funny because you can mimic those flavors too back on, on the Belgian beer side. And I think there's a lot of experiment, experimentation to be done with IPAs and Belgian yeast because Belgian yeast also mimic those same types of flavors that you're talking about, those tropical, awesome. those citrusy flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that'll be something you might see more yeah. uh, in the future as brewers experiment, especially with the rise of, you know, the fruity IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New the, England style. Right. And right now, the New England style is kind of, you know, confined to a certain couple of yeasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you might see more experimentation uh, with Belgian yeasts being okay. used in sort of New England-influenced styles. Awesome. I'll have to look for that. And speaking of IPAs, yeah, I'm taste- this is the West Coast style? Yes, this is the West Coast IPA. All right. It's like the perfect color. It's like kind yeah, of... It's a sort- nice copper. Kind of sort of hazy, but not like New England kind of hazy. Now this is 7.6%. Okay. It's just haze no. from the... Uh, I need to call you an Uber. <laughs> it seems like Uber's getting a lot of PR oh, on this man. podcast today. <laughs> I can crush... Oh man, I can crush like four of these. It's a really <laughs> dangerous... Shouldn't. 7.6%. Should, <laughs> shouldn't crush four of this. <laughs> Oh, man. I crush them. Drink them slowly. <laughs> oh, man. That's my kind of beer. So, so we're going to run the gamut. We'll have that. We'll have some easier drinking IPAs. We'll have, of course, the, you know, our alt beer, our Municalis lager. We're going to do some Pilsners. We're going to do a little of everything. Awesome. So, and the fun part, my job, <laughs> as they make these beers, we'll see what does well in the tap room. And what does well in the tap room, hopefully, will find its way into the market. Mm-hmm. Let the market decide. Let the market decide. So, um, so similar vein. Do y'all have any plans to do canning and distribution? So, canning, yes, eventually. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it ends. It's costly to can. Uh, 
we've got enough costs dropped in here already, so we're going to drag our feet on that one so we can uh, build up a piggy bank again. Awesome. Um, as far as distribution, we are self-distributing already. We've okay. made our first delivery as of yesterday. Uh, it's a Parkway Poorhouse. Awesome. They have our alt beer on tap. I think I saw that on Instagram today. Excellent. Or yesterday. Yeah. I, I delivered that first keg yesterday morning and I drank the first glass, so I'm not sure if that's good that I spent my money on the beer I just sold, but <laughs> it works. Uh, awesome. Appreciate those guys for believing in us and uh, you know taking the alt, and they were super excited. I got a text today that said it's flying off the shelf, so awesome. they're probably going to need another keg before the week's out. Awesome. So we'll continue to uh, find places around town. We're doing a launch party on Thursday the 18th over at barley's so we're going to be having all four of our beers that we'll have kegged at that point over there and it's exciting yeah uh another thing that you were telling me about before we started recording is your tap handles yes and i'm obsessed with these tap handles can you tell us about them yeah so our tap handles are it's a piece of wood it's uh and mike actually set this up with a, a local guy like so I, I, I met this guy, his name's Jim Finley, he, Finwood Staffs. He sells hiking staffs at the Chattanooga Market oh, I've seen on him. Sundays. Okay. I had this idea that I wanted our tap handles to be like an old school wooden hiking staff and we'd get these medallions made. Because if you, you, see, you see this a lot in Europe and maybe in the north a little more of these people that have these old wooden hiking staffs and they put medallions all up and down them from everywhere they've been. So each park they've been to, they tack a medallion on. Mm -hmm. So I had these medallions made at a, a little place up in Bristol that stamps medallions. So they stamped us a bunch of medallions out and sent them to me. And then I found uh, Jim at Finwood Staffs and had Jim you know, talked to him and we worked something out and he, he went and collected basically sticks, you know, <laughs> and, and sanded them and polished them. And, you know, so it's basically like the, the top of a, a staff, mm -hmm. you know, he makes these big staffs. So this is, these are all, you know, probably pieces that would have been discarded otherwise, mm -hmm. or, you know, left there sitting in the woods or whatever. So he, he cut them and sanded them down and polished them and gave them to us and we put our little medallions on them and so that's our tap handle we're going we're going for a, a hiking stick thing I so we have it. we have a theme it keeps coming yeah. back. <laughs> it keeps creeping back up is yeah. our is our hiking staff theme each one is unique not a, one is going to look like the other different colors different sizes different knobbiness to them um, and it follows <laughs> along with the the outdoor enthusiast attitude that we have and everything that we strive for you know, the hiking and the camping and backpacking and just the outdoors environment. And it mimics with our logo. Hiking, camping, backpacking, and beer. They <laughs> all go together. Some of the best things in life. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I took some pictures, so I'll post those on the Nuga Bells Instagram page so all y'all can see these too because they are gorgeous. Um, so one of the last things I wanted to talk about was... Um, Chattanooga has a very like established craft beer scene and it keeps growing. So how do y'all see Wanderlinger fitting into that and what role do y'all see yourselves playing in the beer scene in Chattanooga? Well, I, the beer scene is growing, as you said. I mean, it's, it's growing pretty fast. And I mean, you've, you, you've got us opening and Naked River opening kind of at the same time. Our schedule's about the same. Mm -hmm. Um, we're both up brewing right now. Uh, we're distributing. I think they. I don't know if they're distributing yet, but they're about to be. They've. All their tanks are full, so mm -hmm. they're about to be kegging beer and distributing it too. Um, I, I think we all. Uh, I, don't know. I, I asked the hard <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. So the nice thing about craft as an industry is we're not out there to compete against each other. Right. We're out there to work with each other. Too much of the percentage of beer that's sold is sold by three companies. The remaining 6,800 of us that are small craft find ways to work together. And that's good for each other. That's good for the industry. That's good for the towns and cities that we're in. We're not the nationwide monopolies. We're local. We're trying to give back to our community. We're hiring people in the communities that we live. 
uh, we're asking the community to come to us and in turn we'll get back to the community so having will be number 11 10 or 11 depending on which different breweries are we're looking at here but we'll be number 10 or 11 and yet it's still a small community and you look at a a city of equal size like in Asheville that's got 40 plus mm -hmm. there's still plenty of opportunity and we don't all make the same beers so we're not in essence competing with each other if anything we're helping support each other and if we if there's something that another brewery makes that we don't make we'd love to have a guest tap we don't have to make the same beer as everybody else we have things that Mike and Jared are very interested in making that are very right up their alley of what they like and what they're good at making that's the way we want to approach our business so that we can not compete against those that we're trying to grow and continue to fight the big players we're helping each other out and that's i think that's our biggest mm -hmm. mission and philosophy as a craft brewery i love it i think there's so much room for growth especially i mean chattanooga is not big but it's not small either and you, you think about other types of businesses, say restaurants or bottle shops, or I think it's funny when we talk about craft brewing, like, you know, there's a lot of talk about saturation. But if you think about it, like a lot of people say, oh, six, 7,000 craft brewers in the United States, that seems like a lot. It's like, well, how many restaurants are there in the United States? I bet you it's a lot more than 6,000. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of room for growth. And I think especially in Tennessee, Eastern Tennessee and Chattanooga in particular, I think there's a, a lot of potential for um, you know, all, all of the boats to be lifted by the tide. And I think uh, I, I welcome seeing more breweries open because I think Chattanooga itself could become a real craft beer destination. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we're well on our way, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's starting to become that as, as more of us open and people start seeing Chattanooga mm -hmm. as a destination for craft beer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was in Asheville a few times over the summer. And it seemed like every time I was there, I didn't drink like the same beer any time I was there. Yeah. Because right. there's so much there. And there's so many styles of beer that could be made that even with only 11 breweries, we're not going to make every style. All of mm -hmm. us, we can't. But there's just too many different varieties and options. And you know, are you going to reinvent the wheel? Probably not. No. But what is made here may not be made down the street, may not be made, you know, six seven hours away from us so is there opportunity for us all to continue to grow and you know if you look at the beer industry as a whole the big three have really created a streamline of the basic beer but there's a whole lot more and if you roll back 100 years to all the beers that people made in their own kitchens it's kind of what we're getting back to make what people like make what's made from things that are local instead of just what is cheap and people don't enjoy always just drinking what's cheap. Try something different, try something new. Mm -hmm. Well, I am super excited for y'all to get open and super excited to try more of your beers. Um, when do y'all anticipate opening? We kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier. We did, we did. So biggest thing for us, we just gotta get construction finished on our site. And it's not our space, it's this whole area that we're in with the Moxie Hotel and this King Street Station. Uh, we're looking at about a month and they should have fire marshal fire uh, fire inspector building inspector fire marshal should stamp off and say we're good to go so we're getting really close uh, we are planning our official grand opening the weekend of november 30th to december 2nd so that is in conjunction with main times 24. perfect timing it, it, we are going to have live music that whole weekend so you'll be able to come by here uh, specifically on Saturday, we'll be doing a lot of events directly in relation with Main Times 24. That's my birthday weekend. Hey, hey you are going to have a hell of a good weekend. I so, am. <laughs> the, uh, we're gonna, we have a stage that will have uh, live music. We'll have uh, several local bands that are playing. Do we already know the lineup of who all is going to be here? Uh, not exactly. I know we will have Cold Planet, which is an, an amalgamation of The Fridge, and Danimal Planet, they join together and you get Cold Planet. So I know, <laughs> I know we'll have Cold Planet and we'll have, I believe, Over Easy. Nice. Um, I'm not 100% sure on the rest of the bands. We uh, should be posting that out there 
by the end of the week. Awesome. So we'll have live music going on. We're going to have food trucks on site. Uh, clearly, we're going to have beer on, on tap, <laughs> uh, which Good, is what I, everybody I need needs to come for. <laughs> yes, well, we will have plenty of that here. Uh, so that weekend is our official grand opening. Hope to announce a soft opening prior to that. So social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we're on all of them. Awesome. Uh, keep tabs on us, and I'll be sharing what information's coming up. We'll be working with the Moxie for the Main Times 24 event. Moxie's gonna have a stage and there's gonna be bands going on their stage and we're gonna alternate kind of back and forth between our stage and their stage to get the, you know, keep the interest in the crowd in this area um, since we're technically a little bit off Main Street. So. <laughs> but not too far, just a not block. Too far. We are yeah. still, we, we believe we're still part of Southside and that's, that's a celebration of Southside. Mm -hmm. So you know, we're right here, we wanna be a part of it. We wanna help the community out. So we're here. Awesome. I'm so excited. We are too. That's going to be like the best birthday weekend ever. <laughs> Excellent. Well, for us, it's been four years in the works. So, yeah. you know, we're just, we're just finally ready to stop paying bills and maybe be able to have some cash in the pockets. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to y'all. So Chris, Likewise. Mike, and Jared, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you um, for having us. Is there anything else y'all wanted to plug before we wrap up here? I just wanted to say, like, you know, we were talking about before about how, you know, Chattanooga's craft beer scene is growing, and Chris made the excellent point that there's plenty of styles to explore. But I think, you know, something that's also worth mentioning is, is that there's a lot of ambiance that goes to each place. And, you know, you if you've been to Hutton and Smith, or you've been to Oz, or you've been to Heaven and Ale, you know, like, each place has its own vibe. Mm -hmm. And one thing, unfortunately, you can't see in a podcast, but, like, one thing I would, like, speak to is, like, you know, we've got a really cool tap room here. Y'all um, do. I love, like, the expo I love exposed brick anywhere in this city, and this city has no shortage of exposed brick. But I love it. I love the bar. The tap handles, which I've already like ogled over, but <laughs> and we've got you know we've got these nice rolling garage doors to let in you know the good weather when it's here, and uh, oh we'll be gosh. rolling out a, a patio hopefully as well. Um, so the patio will have an art gallery with artists rotating through. It. We're going to start uh, November twenty sixth. Uh, the twenty sixth. So Saturday Saturday after Thanksgiving okay. is our first art show. Small Business Saturday. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's called Convergence. Okay. And it's featuring uh, Rick Herman, Eric Keller, and Tony Mraz. And they're all going to have art that is going to be up in our gallery from then until the end of the year. Um, and they're all, I think they're also working on some permanent installations for our tap room. I love um, it. It's an exciting space to be in and just watching this building come alive. Like mm -hmm. like I said, I've like I was out in Denver and now I've moved back east and just seeing like an old historic building like this come alive with yeah. you know, a, a tap room of all things. Like it's a gorgeous space. Yeah, and we're gonna have a stage it. that's gonna be here permanently. Right, yeah, we'll have a live stage. There's a there's there. a awesome. permanent stage, we'll have a PA system, we have uh an an in house uh stage manager and engineer for those artists that need somebody to engineer the sound oh, for Oh, that's so cool. Um, and we'll, we'll be set up and ready for artists of music or art to come and display their crafts here. That's incredible. And, you know, the building itself is something that, for those that don't know where we're at, where they're going to try to find us here in a month. <laughs> uh, so we are in a 110-year-old building. This building is used to be a warehouse and it's being completely renovated. It's a $10 million project. Uh, Urban Story Ventures is our landlord that's redeveloping the site. So we're going to have on the ground floor, there's us and a pizza joint is going in next door to us called Goodfellas Pizza. Okay. Uh, in the basement below them is their sister company called Wise Guys Whiskey. Nice. So those that like whiskey will be able to come hang out, have a beer here, go down, have a whiskey, come back up, have a beer. Man, that's like a one-stop shop for a Saturday night. Absolutely. You got, you got everything you need. Pizza, whiskey, and beer. Uh, across, And then you can go across the street to the Moxie Hotel, and you can get a room and stay the night. Yep. Um, above us, we're going to have three floors of uh, commercial real estate that they're trying to fill right now. And then we have uh, two floors of residential condos with the top of our side of the building will be a rooftop event space that people will be able to rent out. Uh, as long as they take a keg of our beer up there to serve it. 
Uh, and then as far as exactly where we're located, behind the Moxie Hotel, uh, we're right just between Chattanooga Choo Choo and Warehouse Row right off Market and King. So King's been shut down for about a year while they've done utility work for us, but it'll soon be open. You'll be able to make a brewery tour between Naked River and Chattanooga Brewing Company, hit Terminal Brew House, come hit us, then head over to Odd Story, Heaven and Ale, and Hutton Smith. You'll have your whole tour of the city, see all the breweries. After that, maybe you can t hop on a bus and see some sights. Awesome. I love it. I'm so excited for this to be open. I cannot wait to see all this. Soon. Soon. Very soon. Very soon. <laughs> it's like that meme. We're soon. gonna be kid, kid and pet friendly until eight o'clock. Pets get a little out of control after. Oh, eight, kid so. and pet friendly. Oh, yes. Makes me wish I'd least trained my cat. Yeah. Put your cat on a leash. Bring it on over. I'll try. <laughs> Not making any promises. All right, we're gonna wrap up there. Thank you all so much for joining me. It has been an absolute pleasure talking and drinking with y'all. Thank you very much. Awesome, and I will plug all of your contact info and social media and stuff in the show notes so everyone else can follow and stay up to date on everything. Awesome. Sounds excellent, thank awesome. you very much. All right, cheers everyone. Cheers. I think I'm cheers. the only one that has beer left, but <laughs> I'm a slow drinker. Um, this has been another episode of the Nougat Bell podcast. Thank y'all so much.